Welcome everyone. We are about to begin Be'ezus Hashem, Feedbacks and Insights, Shear number 14. Email address, shalombayas777 at gmail.com. We will continue on the subject of suicide. I posted um, last week a global class session from Rabbi Simon Jacobson called Why You Matter. With this post, I'm going to put another one up that's titled Why Life Matters. It's a different shear, a lot of similar themes, but different shear. They're both valuable and worthwhile to listen to. Whether you have suicidal thoughts or whether you don't, it's Kadai to listen to those shiurim. It'll help you a lot in life. Um, I'm going to um, discuss now what I saw uh, online in regards to suicide attempt survivors. Um, and then I looked through and documented it seems to be quite accurate. And um, for those anonymously who ha- are suicide attempt survivors and want to comment on this, if they believe anything that is said here is inaccurate or they have a different experience of it, feel free to email me an- anonymously um, if you'd like. And because I want to share as much helpful information as possible. The first thing, there are many quote-unquote myths that we started to talk about, people misunderstand about people who attempt suicide. Number one is they say that they're out just to seek attention. That's absolutely false. Most of them do not want to die. They do not want attention. They are crying out for help because they have no other way to do so. And that's why um, they are, they are quote-unquote, seeking attention. It's not attention that they're seeking. They are crying for help to remove the pain that they are in. And um, another myth, they say, is that when, let's say you have a family member or a friend that you suspect is depressed, and based on little things that they said, that you suspect they have suicidal thoughts, and you confront the person about their suicidal thoughts, there's a fear that that'll trigger them to go out, go ahead and do it. And um, that's also a myth. Most are relieved to share it. It alleviates a lot of the pain, um, somewhat at least, that they don't keep it inside and they let it out, and they need to speak to a trusted parent or a therapist, or a mentor, and if you're responsible, and you care, and you point-blank ask them, is, are you feeling these things, are you thinking these things, it won't trigger them to do it. To the contrary, they'll most likely let it out, um, and um, that'll relieve some of the pain, and they could try to get the help that they need. This is what the survivors basically said, said most of them that when they were asked point blank or they were told by a friend or a caring relative about point blank, that do you have these thoughts about ending your life because they suspected it and them acknowledging it and talking about it helped. It did not hurt. And then the other myth is, it's not a complete myth, that people who are suicidal show obvious signs of their struggle externally, and that's not always true. Sometimes it is true. 
in many people, it is manifested uh, with uh, depression, withdrawal, and so on. But there are many people that it's so deeply buried and covered, and they cover their inner pain, even from their closest relatives. So the, they, the, the friends and closest relatives may not get it. They may see them smiling and laughing. And um, actually saw some clips of a recent suicide um, um, the, uh, teenager or young adult um, that externally smiling, singing, laughing. So not necessarily. So you have to really uh, be aware of that. And this is the biggest myth. And this, is, this could hurt terribly. People that are attempt suicide are selfish and only think of themselves. That is a complete falsehood. Completely not true. Because it's the opposite in almost all the cases. It's the reverse. They think and they care too much. They don't care. They're not self-absorbed about themselves. They care about others more deeply than they care about themselves. And they feel for the ones that they care about that they are a burden to them. And that is why they need to relieve them of their burden by disappearing. So they are not selfish. They're in pain. They're not self-absorbed, only thinking about itself. They're just in pain and they feel trapped and they need help to get out of it. The other fear that people with suicidal thoughts have is they're afraid that if they tell a therapist about what's going on in their mind, they'll send them to a uh, psychiatric hospital, lock them up, and so on. And the way it works is like this, from what I understand from the therapists that talked about this, that if you confide privately with a competent therapist or competent coach or competent, even Rav, if he knows what he's doing, it's generally completely confidential because just because someone has suicidal thoughts does not mean they're going to plan out and actually kill themselves. And in most of the cases, when they finally confide in a therapist or a close relative that they have thoughts about ending their life, they're not in imminent danger at all. And therefore, that... that um, that communication could be completely confidential. It is only if the therapist senses, based on the way the person is talking, that they're actually planning it. So there's a difference between suicidal thoughts, and even if it's recurring constantly, and suicide planning, which I would think would mean that they're actually discussing how they're going to go about do it, doing it, and um, in a very clear way. And if the therapist believes that they are in an imminent danger to themselves, then they will have to get, that's where breach of confidentiality is required. But in most cases, these suicide um, uh, potential people do want to get that help. And um, so, but, they, but, but that's basically that. But for m most that are not at that point, um, it's completely confidential and they won't send them to a hospital or, or something like that. That's only if they feel they're on in absolute imminent danger. And not over 95% of the time cases, 
when they acknowledge that they have these thoughts and consider ending their life, it remains confidential as long as they could work through it. And that's, um, that's that. Another one that they mentioned that people say that only people that have mental health conditions have suicidal thoughts. That's also incorrect. Um, it does, there are many people that who do not have mental illness and nevertheless um, can feel this. Anyone can feel this. It's very pervasive. It is probably shocking the amount of pervasiveness this suicidal thoughts has in people because most people who have it, they won't act upon it, but it'll still make their life very, very painful unless they go for the therapy and sort out those feelings. The other myth is that people, that they say that people who attempt suicide are certain about their decision to do it. And that, um, there was a basically a crew of suicide survivors, and they were split on this. Some of them said that they were certain about their decision, but others said absolutely not. It was the other way around. They were not certain about their decision, but they were in such pain that they felt they had no other way out. And um, they were very grateful, actually, that they were saved by the help that they got. And um, so they were not certain about their decision. And even those who said that they were, they were happy that their decision was reversed um, once they got the help that they need needed. And here is the one that should give a lot of people hope. Those of you that are suffering from this and are worried by thinking that once a person has suicidal thoughts or is suicidal and made suicide attempts in the past, that they will always be so. That is not true. Um, and um, that's very clear they make that out because they are clear many of those survivors say that right now they have absolutely no interest in acting out. They got the help they need. They were able to have a healthy outlet for their pain and they were able to thrive afterwards. So just because you're in a terrible feelings now does not mean, does not mean that it'll be like that forever. You could be a very happy, well-balanced person after the proper treatment, after therapy. And sometimes antidepressants are necessary for those that are suffering from severe depression. And um, now, then they ask um, whether, um, you know, the talking about it to other people make it, makes it better or makes it worse. And the matzav is basically is, is that... People are afraid, and that's probably why. Well, there's a stigma attached to it. That's part of it. And part of it is people are afraid when you... It's like opening up a can of worms. If you start to, talking about suicide, you're worried that maybe people who didn't initially think about those things are going to start thinking about those things by opening up this conversation so they feel it's better to remain silent. But that is not the case, unfortunately. We see in our community that there was a tremendous amount of tragedy in this, uh, with the silence, and it, it doesn't help. It needs to be let out in the open. It has to be discussed openly. And the loved ones of those that they sense that their relative or their loved one may be suicidal, they need to ask them directly, have you thought about suicide? 
and when they acknowledge it, need to get help immediately. And um, there are two reasons from what they were saying as to why they feel this way. It's a combination of a severe depression in many other cases, or severe anxiety, combined with despair. So the first issue that they have is that they believe everything around them when they see things. And again, remember, like we said in the last um, feedback, that it has nothing to do with your condition. Obviously, like the extreme case of people being in Auschwitz, that is a normal cause why someone would think to commit suicide. You can't be judged. That's an extreme case of horrific circumstances. But again, you have to understand, and you know, people sort of pass judgment on it, here is a person that never went through, God forbid, any of those type of situations, nowhere near Auschwitz. They live a, a life of comfort, have health, have wealth very often, and have externally everything they want. And they're bright and they're talented and everything. And yet they're gripped with a severe depression or anxiety. Could be a mental illness, could be not, but whatever the case is. So in their minds, they're living in a hell. And they see everything around them as a catastrophe. And they don't see any way how they can get out of it. They don't see any way how it can get better. And therefore, they're, they're, they lose all their meaning in life from the fact that they feel trapped in this pain and they don't know how to get out of it. That's aspect number one. That's a terrible, terrible um, situation. It's hard to imagine unless you're in it. And it's very hard to be in that person's shoes. Because most people have at least a Pesach of, a, of some type of spark of hope, even in the most darkest times. But when you feel that there's mamish no way out, that is terribly, terribly painful. And that is coupled with the thought, I'm of no use to anyone anymore. I'm a nobody. I am a waste. I'm a burden. And those two aspects combined is what compels people to actually want to take their life. The pain that's never ending and they feel that it'll never end. And the fact that they feel that they're actually doing a favor for their loved ones. Again, it's not selfishness. You know, you could call, say all you want, they're being selfish, selfish, you know, you, you know, you, you don't realize how your death will impact us, the whole family, and that's true, that is true. But they're not thinking along those lines. Most of them are not thinking like, screw you, and I'm just going to make you miserable. It doesn't work like that in many cases. They love their families. They don't want to hurt them. They know they'll, their families will be sad when they're not here in this world anymore. But they do it because they feel that ultimately they'll be better off without them. And again, it's warped thinking. You can't blame them for having that warped thinking. But they need help immediately. Now, again, I'm the ones I'm talking to, including me, myself, we're not therapists, we're not mentors, we're not equipped. And also some of them may need actual medication, antidepressants, and things like that to pull out of these type of things. And we're not equipped to do that, but we are equipped, like I said in the last feedback, to be aware of it, 
to monitor it, and to give chizik as much as possible. Now, I'm not going to un- overestimate that, because chizik alone cannot cure this type of thing. But it can definitely give the person a certain uh, nudge in the right direction, that empathy, to open that Pesach, that, yes, I will get that help. And that's what we can do. That is what we can do. Our compassion and our empathy towards these people that are in pain and trying to get them the help that they need is the Pesach of that loop, of that catastrophe that they see no way out. With your empathy, they may be able to see a little spark of a way out and say, okay, I'm going to hang on to that lifeline. It's like when they're drowning and you're throwing them a life uh, jacket or one of those things that, you know, could hold them up in the water, and that's what you're doing for them. And, of course, you can't help them fully. Like you'll see in, or you may have seen already in the previous, um, you know, clips that I gave where they acknowledged that in order for, uh, that woman said, the Australian, that, that in order for me to get to where I am, to get to the point where I could fight on my own this, these thought patterns and to get me healthy, I needed the help of many people. I needed the help of many, many people. So we, we can't do it alone, and we're not mechayiv to do it alone. We know our limitations. You know, there are certain things with mental illness, with depression, with anxiety, that us regular people that don't have the expertise cannot cure. And that's okay. And uh, they have to, we have to send them to the right help, whether they need actual medical help with medication or th- certain types of therapies. But that doesn't mean we wash our hands and, you know, and not do anything. The empathy helps. The empathy cannot cure necessarily, but it helps to the point where they say, you cared about me, you gave me a Pesach, you gave me a spark, and I'm willing to try. And um, we have to daven, because it's, it's a terrible magefa. It really is. Um, I was actually shocked because, you know, it's kept quiet and maybe, you know, why some, some uh, survivors, families, basically, of, of the ones that um, took their own life, were willing to speak, they want to speak, they want to spread the awareness, and some of them it's just too painful and they just want to stay out of the public eye, and that's perfectly okay. You can't blame anyone for anything. This is really a real rough thing, and if they, if they want to... Uh, their privacy protected, we have an obligation to protect their privacy and to leave them be. But the bottom line, though, is is that there is a lot of awareness out there now, and there's a lot of help for this. So please, if you see in your family or anyone that seems to have this problem, reach out to them and try to get the help that they need. May Hashem help that these <sighs> Tsaris should not happen anymore in Klal Yisrael. Now, um, let's, when you shift away from it, by the way, there's a lot of levels to it. Like, it could be that many of us listening, admitting it or not admitting it, may suffer from time to time from suicidal thoughts. But even if they don't, it's a lot of the love for life 
gets taken away from a person when they feel that their life has no real significance, that their life doesn't have any deep meaning to it. Because the truth is, is very often we live in a mundane lifestyle and we think this is all it and there's nothing to look forward to and there's nothing much that I could contribute to the world or to my environment. So even those that are not in those severe circumstances where they feel trapped and in pain all the time, and but they still may feel in the back of their heads, you know, you know, if I left this world, it won't be such a big deal. Even if they never, they're healthy and they never contemplated on taking their own life because, you know, they enjoy certain aspects of life, but internally they really believe, what am I worth? What am I worth? And that is the opposite of Yiddishkeit, where every neshama is unique and special. And we have to remember that, and that's a big part of the shiurim are that. And how does it connect to Shalom Bayis? Because very often, and this is a, will surprise a lot of people, but a lot of bad behaviors and the hurting of one to the other, husband to wife, wife to husband, a lot of it comes from a lack of self-esteem and a feeling of inferiority. And it's, they don't admit it, that that's what it is. And for, as a defense mechanism, they attack their spouse, or they demean their spouse, and really they feel lousy about themselves. And they just, instead of they can't bear that, so they lash out to their husband or to their wife. But internally, on, by themselves, they feel that they're worthless. And that has to end. There's an Indian of Gaiva that we have to be careful of. But this stuff is not anava. This stuff is the Yetzirah trying to uh, screw up your perception of what your neshama really, really is. And a big part of the Shalom Bayis aspect and Tikkun Amidos and life is to really value who you really are, realize Hashem sent you here for a purpose, for a lofty purpose, and He loves you, and He wants you to thrive, and He needs you. He needs you here. He needs you here. He doesn't just need the G'dayla Yisrael. You know, you need the Rab Moshe when he, he was alive to Paskin for us. So what am I? I'm not a Ramesh. I'm not asking for nobody. He needs you here. No matter what you're doing and how you're doing it, and same may seem like a small speck in the spectrum. He needs you here, and without you, everything is missing. Remember that always. Hashem will talk more. We'll move away from this subject, but don't forget it. And again, we, this is around Pesach time when these recordings are coming out and everything, which is a weird time to discuss these uh, very sad things because it's a yontiv time, but again, that's also a discussion. For many, yontiv is the highlight, and for many, yontiv could be a source of pain when they feel alone or out of place. Um, and people suffer on yontiv too, unfortunately, if they're not uh, in a stable environment. And Hashem should help them too, and they should all have only simchas and nachas, and a, a Shabbos and Yantav should always be a joy for every single Yid in Klai Yisrael. Have a wonderful day.